25. Proverbs chapter number 25. And we're going to read verse 25 this morning, just getting us started. Proverbs 25 and 25. The wisdom writer wrote and said, As cold water is to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. This morning I have good news and bad news. Father, I love you today. I thank you for your incredible blessing, uh, Lord, that is upon my life. Father, thank you for all that you have done. Thank you for what you are doing, and thank you for what you have planned for the future. Father, I just pray your blessing, Lord, upon the message, the messenger, Lord, today. Father, give us ears to hear the word of the Lord today, we ask. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, a doctor was talking to his patient in the hospital. He said, I have some good news and I have some bad news. Well, the patient said, Doc, give me the bad news first. Well, the doctor said, the bad news is I'm going to have to amputate both of your feet. The patient said, what? Wow, what could possibly be the good news? Well, the doctor said, the man in room 111... Wants to buy all of your shoes. (laughs) Boo, that's pretty, pretty bad, all right? All right. Hey, I've got some good news this morning and I've got some bad news as well. Let's start this morning with the bad news. The bad news this morning is the sin. The sin. That's the bad news. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. Paul said, all have sinned and have fallen short of God's glorious Standard. That's the bad news this morning. The bad news is sin. The bad news is that all have sin. We understand the Bible teaches that when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, that sin entered into God's perfect world. And from that time on, every single person that was ever born was born in sin. Born a sinner. I want to talk about sin for just a couple of minutes this morning. It's a subject that very few people are talking about today. In fact, in fact, it's a word that a lot of churches won't even use today. Let's notice three things about sin. Let me suggest, first of all, the first thing that sin does is that it severs. Sin severs. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2. God said, your sins have separated you from your God. Your sin is what? Your sin, your sin has separated you from your God. Your sin has hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Let me tell you something this morning. You cannot have a relationship with God with known, ongoing, unrepented of sin in your life. You see, sin will sever. Sin will separate you from God. Let me tell you this morning, you cannot run with the world and walk with God at the same time. My Bible tells me that God is a jealous God. And because God is a jealous God, He will not share you with the devil. My Bible also tells me that not only is God a jealous God, but He is a holy God. Therefore, He cannot share you with the devil. It would go against his very nature. Now, I want to be perfectly clear this morning. I want you to understand what I'm saying this morning. Hear me clearly this morning. Sin does not s- separate us from the love of God. 
God does not uh, stop loving us because uh, we have sin in our life. But listen, He will not have a relationship with us if we are harboring and hiding ongoing sin in our life. I also have some good news here this morning, and that is that if we have sin in our life, all we have to do is repent. All we have to do is turn to God. All we have to do is to ask God to forgive us, and immediately we are forgiven, and immediately our relationship with Him is restored. Second thing about sin, the second thing sin does, it sabotages. It sabotages John 10 and 10, the thief or the devil comes. What does he come for? He comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to... Destroy. You see, the, the, the enemy's goal is to sabotage or to ruin our life, and he does this through enticing us to sin. Now, I could make a whole list this morning of enticements that, that, that the devil has for us, things like drugs and alcohol, things like, like lust and, and perverted and unlawful sex, things like pornography, jealousy, and the list goes on and on and on and on. How many understand you don't have to live very long to witness lives that have been totally destroyed by sin? Because sin sabotages. Now, I could stand up here all day and I could relate to you story after story after story about people, people who possessed incredible talent, unbelievable ability, people that started out with so much promise, all with such incredibly high hopes and dreams, people that should have ended up on top of the world, but instead ended up with the world on top of them. Why? Sin. They allowed sin to sabotage their life. The third thing that sin does, it seizes. It seizes. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 26. He said, they have been caught in the devil's trap. The devil's what? They have been caught in the devil's trap. They have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Sin seizes. It captures. Oh, people that practice sin are actually slaves to their sin. You know, people say, well, I don't want to have anything to do with God. I don't want to serve God. I want to be my own man. I want to do my own thing. I want to have my own way. Sorry. Sorry. It might start out that way. You may think you are having your own way. You may think you are calling your own shots. You may think you are doing your own thing. But hear me, if you continue in your sin, that sin will eventually get such a hold on you that it will totally take over your life. Ask any addict. Their addiction started out as pleasure. It started out as pleasure. Oh, oh, and then, and then it turned into a habit. And finally, an addiction. They may not eat. They may not sleep. They may not work. They may not have any relationships. But they will satisfy that addiction. At least for the moment. Their addiction will drive them to do anything. Their addiction will drive them to pay any price to satisfy that addiction. Oh, they may lie. They may cheat. They may steal. Some may even go as far as killing if the addiction is severe enough. Oh, I know how we think. I know what's going on in your little mind this morning. Oh, pastor, that will never happen to me, pastor. I I can handle my sin. 
I can handle myself. And so said every single addict that ever began what eventually turned into an addiction. I'm giving you the bad news, first of all, this morning. And the bad news is the sin. The bad news, all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Now let me give you the good news this morning. The bad news is the sin. The good news is the Savior. Oh, the Savior. Listen, friend, Jesus is God's answer to sin. We understand through Scripture that Jesus is the sinless Son of God. We understand by Scripture that, that, that uh, Jesus, just like God the Father, Jesus, God the Son, has always been. Jesus didn't begin in the womb of Mary. He didn't begin there. Jesus, the Son of God, has always existed. As much as God the Father is God, that's as much as God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is also God. We understand by Scripture that Jesus, Son of God, became Jesus, Son of Man. We understand that He came to this earth, born of the Virgin Mary, placed in Mary's womb supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. We understand that Jesus was born without sin and never did sin. This had to be, friend. It had to be in order for Him to become our Savior. The bad news is the sin, but the good news is The Savior. Let me say three things about the Savior this morning. Let me tell you, first of all, this morning, He substitutes. Three things the Savior does for us. He substitutes, Romans 5 and 8, but God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus, the Son of God, become Jesus, the Son of Man? The Bible said He did so to die for us while we were yet sinners. Now, there are certain things that I say to you over and over and over again. And it's not because I don't have anything else to say. I say some things over and over and over because there are certain things that I want you to remember that I said to you one of these days when I'm no longer here, about 50 years from now. When I'm no longer here, I want you to be able... And that's what happened in Midland. I had people come to me and say, You know, I remember when you used to say... I remember when you used to say... I remember when you used to say... When I'm out of here one of these days, I want you to be able to say... I remember Pastor Vincent. I remember he used to always say... And this is one of those things I want you to remember. I want one of these things I want you to always remember that Pastor Vincent said to you. And that is this. Jesus did for you what you could never ever do. For yourself. Oh, I want you to get that this morning. I want that down in your heart. I want that down in your spirit. I want that in your mind this morning. That Jesus did for you what you could never ever do for yourself. You see, you could never ever save yourself. Didn't, doesn't matter how much money you gave. Don't matter how many church services you went to. Amen. Don't matter how many love offerings you gave. Doesn't matter how many good works you did. You could never ever save yourself. Absolutely nothing that you could ever do on your own to make God love you, make God accept you, make God receive you, and make God save you. The Bible says that the wages or the penalty for sin is, is death. And because of sin, the Bible said somebody had to die. Blood and blood alone can pay sin's penalty. Hebrews 9 and 22 says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. 
On the cross, Jesus became our substitute, dying for us, paying the penalty for our sin. I'm telling you that the sin that you commit, amen, was somehow miraculously placed upon Jesus Christ when he was upon the cross. And on the cross, amen, he took your sin and he died, he shed his blood, amen. He did that for you and for the forgiveness of your sin. You say, Pastor, what do I have to do to be saved? Absolutely nothing on your own. It's already been done for you on the cross. So all you have to do is acknowledge it and accept what Jesus did for you. Because you could never ever do anything, amen, to save yourself. But what you couldn't do for yourself, God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, did for you. Don't you love the Savior this morning? Notice something else about the Savior. Number two, He silences. He silences some 8 and 2 says that he silences all of our enemies. How many understand the devil has a big mouth? How many understand that he is a liar? The Bible said not only is he a liar, but he is the father of lies. Amen. You see, the only time that the devil lies is when his mouth is moving. So he is constantly lying. In fact, he, it is impossible for him to tell the truth. And he loves to lie to us. He loves to tell us that God doesn't love us anymore. He loves to tell us that that we've been too bad to be saved and and we've gone too far and and God has given up on us and on and on and on and on he goes. But listen, listen, let me tell you that the devil is a liar. But I'm telling you this morning that Jesus is able, amen, to silence the mouth of the enemy in your life. The third thing we can count on upon the Savior and that is he saves He saves. Matthew 1 and 21, in a dream, the angel said, said, she's going to bring forth a son and you're going to call his name Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. Hebrews 7 and 25, he is able to save to the uttermost all of those who come to God through him. Well, the bad news is the sin. It severs and sabotages and seizes. Oh, the good news is the Savior. Oh, he substitutes, he silences, and he saves. Let's look at some more bad news this morning. The bad news is the struggles. That's the bad news, the struggles. How many understand that life is filled with struggle? We share three of them. I could share 300. How many? Glad I'm not. Notice three struggles. We all struggle. First of all, the sickness. Sickness. Seldom does a day go by that I don't hear about somebody else that is sick. Cancer, heart attack, diabetes, stroke, arthritis, Alzheimer's, surgery, rehab, and on and on and on. And hardly a day goes by. I guarantee you that a week never goes by but what I hear about somebody else that is struggling with sickness. Not only sickness, how about the struggle of stress? The stress. Friend, stress is at an all-time high. Never before in history has there been more stress than there is today. In fact, doctors tell us that the number one reason for all the sickness is the stress. Remember 20 years ago, they said 20 years from now, which is now, you know, we'd all be on about a three-day work week, you know, because all the modern conveniences, we'd all be flying around in cars, and, you know, we'd have more days of leisure than we have. A... What happened? 
We have more modern methods, more incredible technology, all of this that we've got that we didn't have before. How in the world did we even survive 20, 30 years ago? And yet, and yet, instead of helping us, they somehow have hindered us. Amen. Because there's more stress today. Amen. There's more stress today than ever in the history of mankind. I love the story about the truck driver and, and uh he was driving a truck and about every three or four blocks he would jump out of his truck, grab a two before and beat on the side of his truck and jump back in the truck and drive two or three or four more blocks. And he would jump back out and he'd take that two before and he'd beat the side of that truck and he'd jump back in the truck, go three or four blocks again and repeat this over and over and over. Somebody was following him and finally they couldn't stand it anymore so they pulled him over and they said, Mr. Truck Driver, what in the world are you doing? Said about every three or four blocks, you jump out of your truck, grab a two before, and you hit the side of your truck. What in the world are you doing? He said, well, he said, I'll tell you what I'm doing. He said, I'm hauling two tons of canaries, but I only have a one-ton truck. So half of the canaries have to be up in the air half of the time. How many know that's a little bit about the way we live our lives? Amen. We're juggling things and trying to be here and there and somewhere else at the same time. We've got all these balls up in the air and all of this stuff going on and happening in our life. Amen. We wonder why we are all stressed out. The bad news is the struggles, their sickness, their stress, and then the strife. Oh, there's far too much strife going on in people's lives today. All the bickering and the banter and the belly aching. Oh, husbands and wives that have World War III going on in their homes. Parents and children who are constantly at each other's throat and constantly in a battle. And then there's the problems on the work in the workplace. Oh, all oh, the pushing and the shoving and the jockeying for position. Oh, all of the office politics and, and all the gossip between employees about each other and about their boss. The bad news is the, the struggles. Oh, listen, the struggles this morning. There's a there's struggles everywhere. The good news is this morning, the supernatural. The supernatural. Listen to me this morning, people. Oh, whatever you are struggling with today, whatever it is that you are going through today, whatever it is today that is stressing you out, I'm telling you that God can supernaturally solve the problem in your life. I'm telling you this morning that God can do for you in a moment's time what you can never ever do for yourself in a lifetime. Let me suggest two things about the supernatural. First of all, let me suggest that the supernatural is sufficient. It's sufficient. Isaiah 53 and 5. But he, Jesus, oh, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. Oh, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Friend, no matter what is wrong in your life, no matter how bad things are in your life, I'm telling you that the supernatural is sufficient. If you're sick this morning, oh, God heals. If you're stressed this morning, He can relieve your stress. Oh, where there is strife, God can replace strife with peace. Jesus said in John 14 and 27, peace I leave with you. Oh, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled and 
neither let it be afraid. I'm talking about the good news right now. And the good news is the supernatural. Oh, friend, I'm telling you that the supernatural is sufficient this morning. God is able this morning. Hallelujah. Not only is the supernatural sufficient, but it's it's supreme. It's supreme. Ephesians 3 and 20, Paul writes, Now to him that is able, what is he able to do? He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or we could ever think. Amen. I'm telling you this morning, God is not only able, but he is more than able. He's not only able, amen, to take care of 5,000 hungry families with five loaves and two fish. He's able to do that, amen, and provide 12 baskets left over. I'm telling you that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, Amen. He doesn't just do it sufficiently. He's not enough. But He's the God of more than enough. His power is not just sufficient. It's supreme. It's supreme. Let me tell you what our biggest problem is this morning. Tell you what our biggest problem is. Our biggest problem is our view of God. That's our biggest problem. Our view of God. We don't understand the magnitude of God. Our God is far too small in our minds and far too small in our vision. We see our problem as huge, but we see our God as small. Friend, no matter how big your problem is, it is tiny when you compare it to the unlimited power of God. I've got good news and I've got bad news today. The bad news is the struggle, but the, oh, the struggle, the sickness, the stress, and the strife. But the good news is the supernatural. God's supernatural power is not only sufficient, but it is also supreme. I've got good news for you this morning, and I've got bad news. Number three this morning, the bad news, the separation. That's bad news. Separation. We'll take a couple of minutes and talk about another subject that nobody likes to talk about. And that's the subject of death. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like Woody Allen in this. That is, he said, you know, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. The Bible says that at death, the soul and the spirit of a person are separated from their body. That when a person dies, the soul and the spirit are separated from that body. According to scripture, at death, the body is to be placed in a grave. And then the soul and the spirit of that deceased person either goes to heaven or goes to hell based upon the fact of whether or not that person who died was saved or whether they were a sinner. If the person that died, if they were saved, the Bible says absent from the body, present with the Lord. So when a saved person dies, immediately their body dies, but their soul and their spirit lives on for eternity in the presence of God. If a sinner dies, their body dies, but their soul and their spirit goes immediately to hell to spend eternity. That's what the Bible teaches, and that's the only book that I preach by. Notice two things about death this morning. First of all, let me suggest that that it's scheduled. 
Hebrews 9 and 27 says, It is is appointed unto man once to die, and then he will be judged. The Bible says that every person has an appointment with death. That death is on everybody's calendar. It's on everybody's schedule. I love the old story about the professional baseball player that was visited by an angel. And talking to the angel, the, the baseball player said to the angel, said, tell me, I've always wanted to know, you can tell me, is there baseball in heaven? And the angel said to the pro ball player, said, I've got good news and I've got bad news. And the angel said to the ball player, the good news is, yes, there is indeed baseball in heaven. The ball player said, awesome, that's incredible, that makes me so happy. What's the bad news? Angel said, you're scheduled to pitch tomorrow night. <laughs> Let me tell you, friend, there's just no way around it. Hey, if you'd give more money, I'd do better jokes, all right? (laughs) There's absolutely no way around it this morning. All of us that that, that have ever been born will one day die. (laughs) Some of you look pretty close to it right now. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Come on. (laughs) Bad news is the separation. Not only is it scheduled, but it's It's sorrowful. Sorrowful. The psalmist said in Psalm 18 and 4, uh, he said, the sorrows of death surround me. I've had three deaths in my family in the last nine months. Time for that to stop. Nine months ago, one of my heroes died, my uncle, Dan Schaefer. Just a couple weeks ago, my sister died. This past Monday, I attended the funeral of my Aunt Bonnie Schaefer. The wife of my hero, she had only lived nine months after her husband of 60 years had died. Friend, there's sorrow in death. Sorrow in death. There's a lot of different kinds of sorrow. There's a sorrow of regret. Oh, regretting the things that you said. There's some things that I said as a bratty little brother to my sister I wish I had never said. Oh, the things you said. Oh, oh, there are many things that I, I wish I had said to her that I, I never got around to saying. And then there's those lost opportunities to be with these people. But, but you didn't think you had the time. And then there's the sorrow of knowing that you're never going to see them again. You're never going to speak to them ever again. At least not in this life. I'll never forget the day that one of my very best friends, his dad died. And I went to see my friend after the loss of his father. And he looked me in the eye with tears in his eyes. He said, Mike... Who's in charge now? Because daddy had always been in charge. And now daddy is gone. Mike, who's in charge now? And I had to look at him and say, David, you are. 
you are. I've got good news. I've got bad news today. The bad news is the separation. Oh, death separates the body from the soul and the spirit. Death separates us from our loved ones. That's the bad news. But oh, that's not all the news I've got. I've got some good news today. And the good news is the supernatural or the sensational. That was the last one. I'm just checking to see if you're still with me this morning. You weren't. Or you were just being kind. Amen. The sensational. Let me help you out just a little bit this morning, today with death, at least for the death of the saints. Friend, God has a sensational event planned in the future for all of the people of God. This event is called the rapture. Now when I was growing up in church, the preacher preached about the rapture almost every Sunday night. At least he touched on the subject almost every Sunday night. You seldom even hear about it today. This event called the rapture is when Jesus Christ comes back to planet earth and evacuates this entire world of all of the saints. The Bible says that one day Jesus is going to appear in the clouds. He's going to appear in the sky over the earth and he's going to call every single Christian on planet earth. He's going to call them to himself. And at the call of Jesus, every single child of God on planet earth is going to receive a brand new glorified, perfect, eternal body. And they are going to immediately be in the presence of Jesus in the sky. At the very same time, every child of God who ever lived but had experienced the event called death, their soul and their spirit, when Jesus comes back, He's bringing the soul and the spirit of every, every, uh, 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 every child of God that ever died, ever. He's going to bring their soul and their spirit back with Him. And their soul and their spirit is going to be reunited with their dead body in the grave or wherever that it is. And this dead body is going to be changed into a brand new glorified, perfect and eternal body. And these resurrected saints will also appear in the sky with Jesus and with the raptured saints. And we will all travel to heaven together to spend eternity with God. Give the Lord a shout of praise for this hope. The Bible calls it a blessed hope. Very quickly this morning, let me mention three things about this event we call the rapture. Let me suggest, first of all, that it is sure. Listen, friend, this is not just some kind of a dream or or, or fantasy or some kind of make-believe. This is not just some kind of a made-up doctrine of man. Let me tell you that Scripture is very clear on this event. I'm telling you this morning, you can write it down in your little book. I'm telling you, you can take it to the bank this morning. I'm telling you, you can count on this literally happening. This event is for sure. Let me give you three Scripture proofs this morning. John chapter 14, verse 1 through 3. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 1 through 3. Jesus said, hey, hey guys, don't let your heart be all, all troubled. If you believe in God, just believe in me also. Hey guys, in my Father's house are many mansions. Hey, if it wasn't so, I would, I, I, I would have told you. 
Hey, hey guys, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I'm coming again. And I'm going to receive you to myself. And where I am, Jesus said, there you can be also. Amen. And then in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 11, Acts chapter 1 and verse number 11, all the angels said to those after the, uh, Jesus descended back into heaven, or ascended back up into heaven, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into, up into heaven? Jesus has just gone on. He's already gone on before them. And here they are with this dumbfounded look in their eyes. And here they are just standing and gawking, kind of like a lot of people do in church, just standing around just looking. And the angel said, hey, hey guys, why are you standing there gawking? Why are you standing there gazing? Why are you standing there just, just gazing dumbfounded up into heaven? This same Jesus, this same Jesus, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven is also going to come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And one more, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16 through 18. Paul writes, for the Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout. The Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ is going to rise first. Told you a while ago. The body and the soul of the deceased are going to be reunited with that body. And they're going to go resurrected. Amen. Oh. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, voice of the archangel, trump of God. Dead in Christ is going to rise first. And then we, which are alive and remain, are going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we always be with the Lord. And so he said, comfort one another with these words. I'm talking about the rapture this morning. Amen. This event. I'm telling you that it is sure. You can mark it down this morning. It's not some fantasy. It's not some man-made doctrine. Amen. It's it's the word of the Lord and you can count on it. Second thing I want you to notice about the rapture and that is it's sudden. It's sudden. Matthew 24. Matthew 24 and verse 36. Jesus said, Wait till some prophet or some preacher gives you the day and the hour that I'm coming and you better and, 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 and you can do whatever you want to and just be ready because that preacher, you know, that televangelist or that book writer or that so-called prophet's going, no, that's not what he said, is it? So why do we get all worked up when somebody gives us a date? Don't listen to another word they say if they give you a date. Jesus said... Matthew 24, verse 36, of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels, my Father only. Nobody knows, but God the Father. As the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. What was it like in the days of Noah? He was building an ark and he was preaching. He was building an ark and he was telling everybody, when I get this ark finished, you better get on board with me because there's a flood coming. As the days of Noah. What's happening today? We're telling everybody, better get ready. Jesus is coming. Better get ready. Jesus is coming. We're building the ark. We're, we're building the, the, the you know, we're, we're, we're trying to get everybody safe. 
as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. They did not know until the flood came, took away them all, and so also will the coming of the Son of Man B, verse number 44, therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Hear me this morning, the event called the rapture will happen very suddenly and it will happen without warning. Hear me this morning, you are not going to receive a text. God's not going to send out a mass text. You're not going to get a text. You're not going to get an email. Amen. He's not going to face it. Uh, he's not going to uh, 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 face it. He's not going to put it on Facebook. He's not going to post it. That's what I'm trying to say. He's not going to post it on Facebook. Hear me this morning. You're getting your warning right now. And the warning is Jesus is coming. The warning is that only those that have prepared themselves for His coming, only those that are living for God at the time of His coming, only those are going to go in the rapture. Everybody else is going to be left here on planet earth to experience the wrath of God as He pours out judgment on this earth for its sin. And you do not want to be here for that. You do not have to be there. You don't have to be here for that. Oh, I'm telling this morning, all you got to do is, is love Him and live for Him and you'll be ready. Not only is the rapture sure and sudden, but let me, let me suggest this morning that it's spectacular. Oh, it's spectacular. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 through uh, 55. Paul writes, let me tell you a mystery, fellas. We're not all going to sleep or we're not all going to die, but we're all going to be changed. It's going to happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet is going to sound. Oh, when the trumpet sounds, the dead is going to be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. And this incorruptible will put on incorruption and this mortal will put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and when this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? Oh, this morning, can you even imagine what it is going to feel like? Oh, what is it going to feel like, my friend, when gravity loses its hold on you and you all all of a sudden feel yourself going up and up and on and on, up and up and on and on and up and up and on and on, oh, into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what is it going to be like when you look around and you see all of your dead loved ones, but they're not dead at all. They're more alive than they've ever been. Oh, oh when you realize, oh, that you're leaving behind you all pain and problem, persecution and perplexity of human life. Oh, when you understand and recognize that you're in the presence of Almighty God, you're in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will always and forevermore be with Him forever. Can you imagine how awesome and incredible it's going to be? Oh, I've got some good news. And I've got some bad news. Come on, Pastor. I have some good news. I've got some bad news. The bad news is the separation. The good news is the sensational. Friend, God has a sensational event planned for all of His people. It's called the rapture. Are you ready? Are you ready for this event? Because only those that have prepared themselves for this event will experience this event. Everybody else will be left on this earth 
where all hell is vomited up on planet earth where there'll be suffering in unprecedented fashion the terror of the Lord the wrath as gigantic as his love is that's how gigantic his wrath Accepting what he did for you that you could never ever do for yourself. Father, we love you today. We thank you for the word of the Lord this morning. Oh God, I just pray today that your word.